Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Just curious if you've heard from the league and, and also what Dom's reaction today has been to sort of being such a, a public figure. Um, no, I haven't heard any. I haven't heard anything from the league. You know, Dom is 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 the is, as good as they get in this in this business. Uh, and I'm so thankful for him. You know, his his natural. He's gonna always um, to try to defuse situations, right? That's that's what he does. That's his job. Um, and so. You know, obviously unfortunate yesterday, but, you know, I, I know it in Dom's heart. He truly was trying to defuse the situation right there. Um, I'm sad that it, it came to, you know, what it came to that anybody got thrown out of the game. Nick Sirianni, Eagles coach, talking about big Dom DeSandro, the head of security who interjected himself into a player altercation and took on the role of a game official. That's what game officials do, separate guys who are about to fight or who are in a fight. And, yeah, that's what Dom does. Well, there are a lot of peacekeepers out there, but if you're on the sideline of a game and it's not your job to be the one to defuse the situation, stay out of the situation. You're not supposed to get in the middle of it. That's what disappoints me about Sirianni's comments because it provides red meat for the Eagles fans who continue to insist that as the head of security, this was his job to provide security during the game for Eagles players. That's not what you're there for. That's not what anyone on the sideline is there for. To get in the middle of two players, no. That is exclusively within the province of other players who are trying to do the right thing and defuse the situation or the officials. That's it. No one else should ever get in the middle of that. And it needs to be a clear, bright line. That's why I firmly believe the NFL is going to come down hard on the Eagles and to Sandro because you cannot allow this precedent to be sent. And it can't just be a finger wag. You better not do it again. This is a clear, bright line that he crossed. He should have known better. The Eagles should have known better. And the only way this gets rectified and deterred in the future 
is to impose a significant punishment on the Eagles and on Dom DeSandro because he just crossed a line that he should have known he should never cross, Miles. Well, absolutely, Mike. And look, I mean, I've worked for two separate NFL organizations. I've been around several different heads of security, and I can't imagine a scenario in which any of those folks would have interjected themselves on the field like that. It's just, it's inappropriate. And like you said, he should have known better. And so I understand like that there are sometimes impulses, but hey, why are you that close to the action? Why B, why are you talking to the officials like that as the head of security? And C, then why do you start to put your hands on a player? None of those things are appropriate for a head of security to do, right? So I just feel like this is a situation where you do need to kind of make an example out of the Eagles here because this is not something that you can allow teams to start doing. Like this is really inappropriate, especially because it ended up with a player being ejected for the actions that were in reaction to somebody else along the sideline. It just, that, that, that's not a good look for anybody. And there's two officials right there too. It's not right. like they needed him. And he wasn't thinking, I'm going to be the peacekeeper here. He's trying to protect his guy from Dre Greenlaw. And he thinks yes. it's his job in that moment to go do it. That isn't what security chiefs do. No. A lot of what they do is, is fix problems. They're fixers. They know they people in law enforcement. They get information they about guys that may have been in trouble in the past or guys who may be in trouble now. It's not mm -hmm. that you're out there on the field as an in-game bouncer. That's never the job. It's never been the job. It never will be the job. And Dom DeSandro may be Correct. a great guy. He's a paisan. I guess I should give him the Italian brotherhood benefit of the doubt, but I really don't care about I don't care about that. But he seems like a big lovable guy. He seems like a big human cheesesteak. I can see why they love him in Philly. But that doesn't excuse it because look at the end result. And if you put that, that end result in the wrong brain, somebody who's very strategic and always looking for an edge, like a Bill Belichick, hey, I'll gladly trade guy who means absolutely nothing to what we're trying to do during a game for all-pro linebacker. If I can pull that off, I'll do it. And, yeah, all you do is put him in the right place at the right time. And not that you could have planned what happened on Sunday, but it's just one of those things where – all right, we see what can happen, so why would we do everything we can to get guys like that away from the action? You let them linger because maybe things happen in a way that you do get a strategic benefit and you're sacrificing your guy who never is going to be part of the game for somebody who was on the field. Well, like I said, Mike, I'm not – I go back to, like, why was he in the space exactly where he was? Or why was he in the white Didn't need to be on the sideline in the first place? That, that's not necessarily the positioning – of a director of security that's not necessarily where you should be why is he interacting with the officials in the first place where they're on the sideline there that also doesn't really necessarily seem very appropriate so i think it's just it's not just the end result it's kind of the process of well how did we get here it's like well why is he there in the first place instead of further back where you see where you usually see team security other team officials that are there on the sideline so i just and what I don't want to have happen is this become a thing of like, oh, well, why are there so many people on the sideline that don't need to be there? And then you start restricting folks who are doing their jobs the right way, right? Because that's a lot of times what happens. You get team personnel who like photographers or videographers or whatever. And they're like, well, do those guys really need to be there? And it's like, well, kind of, yeah, because they're capturing the content 
that all of us love so much about the NFL, all the highlights, you know, the sideline sound and all these different things. So that's why I, I, I hope that this becomes or this stays rather the isolated incident that it is and you figure out what the right punishment is for the Eagles because there does need to be some sort of deterrent. And hopefully that's the end of it because I, I, I don't want to see folks who are doing their jobs the right way be punished for something that they had absolutely nothing to do with. Well, and you make a great point because I've already heard from some people who say this is an example of there are too many people on the sideline and they need to get rid of some of them. And I asked somebody I've known for a long time about this, and apparently there's actually less now than there were prior to the pandemic. That The pandemic yeah. was an occasion to just kind of naturally trim the fat. They're down to about 70. 30 coaches, 10 trainers, five doctors, five security, operations equipment people, about 10. There's room for 10 others after that. Player development, GM, the owner's down there sometimes. It used to be a cap of 85. Now it's down to 70. But still, you see a lot of people milling around. And when the action gets into the bench area, there's just more obstacles for the players. And we saw the guy who had the horrible leg injury in New Orleans. Now you're working the sticks. You can't work the sticks from 30 feet away from the sidelines. So there's a certain element of danger inherent to that job. But, you know, if you need to get out of the way quickly and you look both ways and there's a bunch of people there, that's the problem. The people who need to get out of the way quickly may have a harder time getting out of the way quickly if there's too many people on the sidelines. And the sidelines, like the area, and part of it is the, the size restrictions inherent to a stadium. Maybe everybody should be a lot farther back. The problem is you can only go back so far and you're pressed up against the wall. There isn't a lot of extra room down there between the sideline and the wall to fit all those people in. And I don't know what you can do about that other than, you know, retrofit stadiums. And they ain't taking out those first few rows that are big ticket money makers. They're not going to have fewer seats to accommodate more space for all those people. So you just have to make sure the people who are down there understand. Hey, Big Dom. And, you know, we all know guys like this big, gregarious kind of a bully, does whatever he wants, goes wherever he wants. Nobody ever tells him no because he's so damn big. Sometimes you got to put your finger in that guy's face and say, back the F off, buddy. What? (laughs) You just made made a lot of assumptions about Big Dom right there. He's a bully. I mean, how do we know he's a bully? You can just tell. You can just tell. You could t- I said big, gregarious guy. You could just tell he's a big, gregarious guy who goes where he wants, does what he wants, says what he wants, and everybody loves him, and he's not afraid to stick his nose in a place he shouldn't stick his nose. And my point is the league office needs to tell him, hey, big Dom, get your big butt out of here. Who said that? It was a, it was a call about John Madden. It was, it was a, a radio or a TV call. To the ref tells John Madden, get your fat butt out of here. So... Sometimes that's what you got to do. Yes, big butt. I, get your big butt out of here. That was the line. Get butt. your big butt out of here. Is it, and not just one cheek, you know. You got to get both those cheeks all the way back. The entire <laughs> the referees butt. Are, referees are trying to now say one butt cheek. That was a weird thing that happened over the weekend. But, yeah, I, I, I hope that this, like I said, th- this is the isolated incident. We have a real good resolution to it, and we are, are all able to move forward because th- this is something that shouldn't absolutely never, ever, ever happen. And what I did like was that Sirianni apologized to Kyle Shanahan after the game. But I do think that you make a good point in that, you know, what he said on Monday is a little bit different in that it's kind of like, oh, 
you know, there's this thing and, you know, he's trying to do this and he's this and it's like, you're, you're being more Philly in that way. And I get that because for somebody who is from like kind of upstate New York, Nick Sirianni is like the most Philly person I think I've ever seen in my entire life. So Philly's going to embrace people in that way. And I get that. But there is a right and wrong. There is a line that should not be crossed. And that line, I think, was very clearly, obviously crossed there. So let's not do it again. And I still don't understand why Drake Greenlaw got ejected. As Peter King explained it, he basically put shaving cream on Dom DeSandro's face. Like, he didn't punch him. He threw a punch, but it didn't land. And this is the same league office that tried to convince us back in week three or four when Trent Williams punched a Giants player in the face that he actually didn't punch him and tried to convince us that Deshaun Watson was blameless when he blew a gasket on the sideline in the Steelers game week two Monday night and shoved an official out of the way so he could go back at whoever was. It's like, it just doesn't make any sense. But what needs to make sense is clear, bright line. Thou shalt not approach players, touch players, step on the white line. It needs to be a clear and loud message sent. And there was already a memo sent earlier this year by the NFL about people interjecting themselves into altercations who weren't naturally part of them a warning that there will be heightened penalties if it happens. So they've already provided the reminder this season. And this is the kind of thing where you just shouldn't need a reminder. This should not be a two-sides issue. This shouldn't be a, well, he was just trying to keep the peace. See, that's what bothers me about the implication of Sirianni's statement. He's finding a way to kind of excuse this. It's not excusable by anyone. And, you know, the Eagles fans are like, well, here's here's another reason why. You hate the Eagles. That's what it is. I'd say this about any team. Anybody who decides to interject themselves into the action between two players who should not be doing it needs to be told you can't do it. And the message needs to be sent to everyone else. The deterrent effect needs to be strong so no one else gets the idea that this is okay. How could you hate the Eagles? You wore that nice Kelly Green hoodie on air. I mean, how could you possibly hate them now? Aren't they like your favorite team aside from the Vikings now since you wore their garb on it's national television? one of the teams television? in Pennsylvania. It's one of the two teams in Pennsylvania. It's whichever one doesn't suck, frankly. So for now, the Eagles, because the Steelers, after losing to the Cardinals, fall into the suck category, and they have a chance to prove that wrong on Thursday night against against the New England Patriots. God, good Lord. We've got to watch that game in two nights. Good Lord. All right. Um, the Eagles adding a player to a defense that, based upon 37 points surrendered to the Bills, 42 surrendered to the 49ers, both at home, defense could use a little help. Shaq Leonard chooses the Eagles over the Cowboys, recognizing he'll probably play a little bit more in Philly than he would have in Dallas. Here's Sirianni from yesterday talking about getting Shaq Leonard, the former All-Pro with the Colts, signed to a contract for the balance of the season. We still have confidence in, in, from the tape that, that he still can play, and he's been a high-level player in this league for, for a very long time. Um, you know, 18 his first year in, and so, you know, that's, that's a long time to be a high-level three-time All-Pro player, um, and so still has a knack to take the ball away, still has that that knack to run and hit the ball carrier still has that length that he had, um, you know, to make throws hard in the passing lane. So excited about the player we're getting. I don't, again, I don't want to make there any mistake about it. I, I like our linebackers and, um, you know, I know yesterday was a, was a tough day for us, 
but I still have a lot of faith in the linebackers and the people that we have in the building. Trying to figure out why he's got that WNJ sweatshirt on. I think that's Washington and Jefferson, is it not? It's where Roger Goodell went to college. Maybe he's trying to suck up. Maybe that's it. Because he didn't go there. He went to Mount Union. He never worked there. I'm looking at his resume. He was never at WNJ. Maybe he's just using a little subliminal way to get on the commissioner's good side. Commissioner went to Washington and Jefferson. I'll show up in the WNJ sweatshirt, and maybe that'll get us some sort of consideration from 345 Park Avenue. Maybe that I've cracked the case, Miles. And you're not tinfoil hat guy. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Right. No. That doesn't take a tinfoil hat. That's just obvious. That's obvious ass-kissing. Okay. Ass kissing right. is obvious. You don't okay, you don't Sherlock. need you don't need to coat your head in Reynolds wrap. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what kind of a difference Shaq Glenn is gonna make. I feel like their defense needs a little more help right now. They've got some flaws and they go to Dallas, Sunday night football, NBC and Peacock, where the Cowboys have won fourteen in a row and if you saw Thursday night game, they score a lot of points at home. And often the dam breaks early. It didn't happen on Thursday night, made for an entertaining game. But they want the Eagles so bad. I mean, this oh, yeah. could be this has the chance to be ugly. And the Eagles still may win the division. If the Cowboys win, they'll be tied with four games left, and who knows where it goes. The Cowboys have some tough games coming up. They play the Dolphins in Miami, for example. They've got the Lions coming to town. But but uh, the, I feel like the Cowboys have been chasing and chasing and chasing, and now they get a chance to catch them in the standings if they can win on Sunday night. We'll be talking about that game plenty as the week unfolds. Um, so, bottom line, Bottom line, Shaq Leonard is back after leaving the Colts. He chose between the Cowboys and the Eagles. He goes with the Eagles. He doesn't hate the Eagles. You might think I do. Shaq Leonard clearly doesn't because he'll be playing for the Eagles as soon as Sunday. And they've really got they've got to stop the bleeding here. Even though, even though they've only lost one game, it feels like they've lost two. It feels like they lost to the Bills. The Bills game just made them seem mortal. And then the 49ers made them seem beatable and now the Cowboys can come in with you know the, to finish the trifecta and and knock them for a loop and you know you don't want to be sinking as you get toward the end of the season they dominated early you want to kind of find a way to get that back and I feel like that's what they desperately need to do and the Dom DeSandro controversies kind of overshadowed the reality that may be setting in for the Eagles that maybe there is a gap between them and the 49ers, and maybe the gap between them and the Cowboys isn't as wide as we would have thought. I think that this week will say a lot about that. I mean, first of all, I, I don't know that Shaq Leonard is really going to solve any defensive problem. Right? The Colts are a contender. I mean, we mentioned them earlier in the show as being one of those teams that is in right now the playoff picture for the AFC as the seventh seed. So if they are letting Shaq Leonard go, there's a reason why. You know, and if somebody is available in December as a free agent, there's a reason why. So I don't think that you can count on him to come in and be kind of a defensive savior. He may give you some good quality snaps, but I don't know that that means he's going to be like all pro level Shaq Leonard that we saw a couple of years ago. One of the things that I I did think was interesting that Sirianni kind of talked about was the relationships that Leonard already has in that Eagles building because there were a lot of you know tentacles, let's call it, between the Eagles organization and the Colts organization. Not only did Sirianni come from the Colts before, but now you've got Shane Steichen, the former Eagles offensive coordinator over there. So there are a lot of people that are on the Eagles staff that had a lot of familiarity with Leonard. I, I bet 
that that was one of the big factors in why he chose the Eagles over the Cowboys is just that level of familiarity where even if you are going to a new building, there are those familiar faces that you know and you understand and they know you and they can maybe put you in better positions to succeed than, than coaches that you don't know already. So we'll see how that affects the Eagles defense. And, you know, Sirianni said, we'll see if Leonard's going to be able to play this weekend. You know, he's been playing this year. It's not like he's totally coming off the street. So I think all of that's going to be really interesting. But I, I again, I, I don't necessarily think that that means he's going to be some sort of defensive savior. Either way, the Eagles need to do something because they've gone from presumptive one seed to maybe two seed to maybe five seed. It's a big drop from one to five. One, you get the bye and you get all your games at home. Five, you go on the road right out of the gates and possibly yeah. stay on the road for all of the postseason. Right, speaking of the postseason, we mentioned the wild card race a little bit earlier in the context of the AFC. Which teams seeking those wild card spots made a statement in week 13? We will recap that with a take your pick segment next here on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? In Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango, it's your ticket to the movies. Domingo, you go back to October 1st with a game that wasn't decided in the last 30 seconds. You think guys like playing games like that? Uh, for us, however those games, you know, whatever it comes down to, whether it's, you know, in that final drive of the last 30 seconds of the game, last minute of the game, I think for our guys, they've gotten confidence through playing in so many of those games. Um, and that's the climate of the NFL. So you have to be prepared for those situational, that situational football at the end of games and the team that handles it the best, the team that doesn't panic in the moment, and the team that is confident in that moment, they end up coming out on top in most of those games. The Vikings were that team last year. This year it's the Houston Texans, the best team in the NFL that nobody ever sees every game at 1 o'clock Eastern, although the footprint this past weekend when they moved from 4.05 to 1 o'clock was much larger and more people saw Texans Broncos. We may see plenty of them in the postseason, Miles, and 
I, look, I don't know. Is it sustainable to keep pulling a rabbit out of your hat? Like, all these games are so close, and it is great when you can kind of will it your way and when you develop a knack for making it happen your way, but it's always better to win by two scores if you can. Oh, well, yes, it certainly is, but I think this is a team with a new head coach, right? You got a new quarterback. You've got a lot of guys that are developing, and they're growing together, and they're getting more confidence. So as a first-year thing – yeah, I, I, I don't see much of a problem with it. I don't know if you get to the postseason, if you can really start continuing to pull the rabbits out of your rear end, right? But for now, as you are learning, as you're continuing to grow, this helps build confidence that you know you can do it, right? When it's crunch time, you know, when you really have to settle in and make the play, you understand that you can do it because you've done it before. So I think for a team that's growing right now, I, I don't, I don't see any problem with it. Keep stacking the wins however you can. Worked perfectly well for the Vikings last year until it didn't in the wild card round against the New York Giants when they lost in crunch time instead of one. All right, take your pick. Week 13, which potential AFC wild card team made a bigger statement this weekend? The Houston Texans in their win over the Broncos or the Indianapolis Colts in that roller coaster ride led by Gardner Minshew against the Titans? Uh, I mean, I would say the Texans mainly because they beat one of the hottest teams in football in the Denver Broncos, right? I mean, this is a team that had come in playing really, really well. I mean, they beat the Browns the the week before, and the Browns have been playing well all season long. So, look, I, I think that what the Texans are doing right now is a little bit more sustainable than what the Colts are doing, in large part because of the quarterback. C.J. Stroud just is not as turnover-prone as Gardner Minshew is. It's not as much of a roller coaster with him. Now, without Tank Dell, that's a significant loss for the Texans, but I think that they still have a way that they're going to be able to win. And the other thing about this is, Mike, I mean, when you beat one of the teams that's also competing for the wild card spot that you're competing with, and yeah, I know there are three spots, but just go with me here, that helps you, right? It gives you another bit of a tiebreaker. So in those ways, I, I think that that really does help out the Texans and gives them more of a statement. Yeah, that Titans-Colts game, a little too frenetic, a little too unpredictable, a little too reliant on special teams, not offense, defense, for the Colts to get that win. It felt like a game they should have lost. It felt like a game they were going to lose. You take away the block punt followed by the block punt that wasn't even a block punt because the yeah. punter was disrupted was so before bad. he could even kick the ball. And then the missed extra point that would have delivered victory quite possibly for the Titans because the punter's also the holder and Ryan Tannehill had to hold and he get, didn't get the ball in the right spot and the kick was hooked. That Those are the kinds of fluky things you don't want to have to rely on because they're not going to happen on a regular basis for the Colts. And you know the other thing about roller coasters. This is why roller coasters aren't good for the Colts and Gardner Minshew. You know why? The last time he's on one, he, he lost his cigarettes. They fell out of his pocket on the roller coaster. That was for you. Uh, yeah, I don't ride roller coasters. Right. We don't I'm know whether or not. We don't know. You know what? I used to ride roller coasters. I used to love roller coasters. I loved it. Everything about it. It was great because I f- you feel safe in that thing. No, you And then don't. something don't. happened. <laughs> oh, I do. I feel safe. And you're, you're locked in, you're strapped in, gravity holds you in place. But the, just it's a fun Cedar Point. Cedar Point, you, mm. you, you grew up not that far, right? It's I know. kind of a little bit of a drive to Sandusky. No, but Cedar Point's it, yeah. awesome. But when I turned 40 a long time ago, my son was into roller coasters because we used to go to Kennywood Park near Pittsburgh. And he rode a roller coaster mm-hmm. one day and he realized he loved it. He was about seven or eight years old. 
And so we, we were on this roller coaster kick. So my 40th birthday, the family goes up to Cedar Point, nice. and we started riding roller coasters. And I got off one, and I was like, Poppy on Seinfeld, I got to go sit down. I was like, something happened to my brain. Something happened to my equilibrium. I can't ride those damn things anymore. So I think roller coasters are made for people under the age of 40 because the moment I turned 40 and tried to ride one, it messed me up, and I've never ridden one again. So anyway. The last time I was on a a roller coaster was at the Santa Cruz Boardwalk, and it was one of those wooden things, and I ended up in tears, and I was 21 years old. And at that point, I said, no more roller coasters for me. Don't they have vampires at the Santa Cruz Boardwalk? Is that Santa Cruz? I don't know. Lost Boys. Have you never seen the Lost Boys? No, I don't know what you're talking about. The thing I hate about this town, too many damn vampires. All right. Uh, Which potential NFC wildcard team proved they can be more dangerous? Your L.A. Rams or the Green Bay Packers, Miles? Oh, I'm definitely going with the Packers. Look, I, you know, aside from Dak Prescott, I don't know that any quarterback has been playing over the last three weeks better than Jordan Love. I really don't. I mean, going back to that game against the Chargers where, look, he just started to see more dynamic. So you look at his numbers right now, 69% of his passes he's completed for 857 yards, eight touchdowns, no picks, no lost fumbles either. He's getting 7.9 yards per attempt over the last three games, a 116.9 passer rating, which would lead the league right now if you extend that over the course of the regular season, just better than Brock Purdy. So look, if Jordan Love keeps playing like this at an elite level, not only are they going to make the playoffs, they might win a game, right? 3-6 matchup between the Lions and the Packers, potentially. I, I mean, I might like the Packers in that one, Mike. Hey, and I am a huge Jordan Love fan. I have been so disappointed by the members of our profession who have just dissed him, not given him a fair chance to learn the game. He's been the one innocent bystander in this entire whatever profane term you want to apply that occurred between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Everybody else was there by choice. Jordan Love got drafted into that mess. He had to Mm -hmm. sit there like Jesse Pinkman with the glass of water between Walter White and Skyler at the dinner table and just figure out why am I here? What am I doing? Right? Like, and then he gets thrust into the fray when Aaron Rodgers finally leaves and everybody expects him to be the next Green Bay Packer Hall of Fame quarterback. And I expected from the hot take artists like Colin Coward, who as recently as October 23rd was proclaiming to the world that Jordan Love can't play before the season. Our friend Adam Shine, who is by no means a hot take artist, he was all in on the Jordan Love can't play. This is going to be a disaster. Give the kid a freaking chance. He's in the worst possible position you could imagine. We wonder why quarterbacks stink in the NFL. We put them in these difficult positions. They have no choice over where they're going to start their careers. They get drafted. Oh, it's an honor and a privilege. Yeah, it's an honor and a privilege to be put in an unwinnable situation. It has pissed me off to no end that people have added to the unreasonable pressure on this kid by saying he can't play. And I love it that he's sticking it in all their faces. Even as a lifetime devotee of the Minnesota Vikings, I love what the Packers are doing. I love what Jordan Love is doing. And I hope to make they make the playoffs, and I'd rather they make the playoffs than the Vikings because I think with Jordan Love, the Packers are in a better spot to go to the playoffs and win. The Vikings will be one and done. 
The Packers, like you said, if it's 3-6, Packers going into Ford Field, I'll take Jordan Love over Jared Goff right now, Miles. Oh, I, I would too. I mean, based on the way that those two guys have been playing over the last few weeks, absolutely. Jared Goff has been turning the ball over more, you know, and that's part of why the Rams wanted to get rid of him in the first place, speaking of the LA Rams. But yeah, I, I, I like the way Jordan Love is playing. I love the way that Matt LaFleur has gotten more confidence in him over the course of the regular season. And he did, he needed some time to just get into the rhythm of being a pro quarterback and being a starting quarterback week after week. And that's why you really need the, a season to evaluate those things. So, you know, also shout out to Matt LaFleur, still undefeated in December as a head coach. I think he's done a great job there. I don't want to pick on Colin Coward unreasonably, but at times I feel like he says so many outlandish things, we just ignore any of the things he says. Like certain former presidents who just say outlandish shit and nobody Bro. ever says anything about it. It just, it just, I can't, I don't know, George H.W. Bush. Next I don't know. on the rundown? But whose loss raised listen, more? <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Here's what Colin Coward said, October 23rd. I can't, we can't let this crap go. We can't let this go. Here's what he said. We're six games into Jordan Love. The only people defending him are adult men who wear cheese heads in the fall. It's obstructing your view. Get another hat. He can't play. Watch how Matt LaFleur calls a game. He doesn't trust him to throw the ball down the field. He's just not accurate. That's Colin Coward, October 23rd. So Jordan Love, stick it up all their butts. Keep doing what you do. Go, pack, go. I'm ordering a cheese head as soon as this show ends today. All right, which now I'm we move Paul on. I'm telling Paul Allen. That's okay. He'll be fine. Ordering a which head. loss raised more red flags? The Chiefs losing to my Green Bay Packers or the <laughs> Eagles getting blown off the field by the San Francisco 49ers? Uh, look, I think it's the Chiefs because at this point it's December and this is who the Chiefs are. Right, I know that Patrick Mahomes told Peter King in Germany after that game that they'd beat the Dolphins. Look, you know, I'm, we're going to get this offense fixed, I promise you. But there's only so much that Patrick Mahomes can do. You know, Giselle Bundchen, uh, the former Mrs. Brady, once said, my husband cannot throw and catch the ball at the same time. And maybe Brittany Mahomes should be turning and looking at Taylor Swift in that suite and being like, hey. Like, why can't your man get these pass catchers to like actually do what they need to do? I mean, what is Patrick Mahomes going to do when Sky Moore stops a route on the outside? Like, wh why, why are you doing that, bro? Why are you stopping your, your route? I mean, why, how is Patrick Mahomes going to fix Marquez Valdez-Scantling's hands? I, I don't know how he's going to do that. How is he going to make Kadarius Tony be more productive? I don't know. So, you know, the, the Chiefs were in control of the outcome in the AFC. If they had just won out, then they would be the number one seed. Now they're back at number three. Who knows what that's going to end up as? I still think they win that division, but the Chiefs have a lot of issues going into the postseason. And right now it's an offseason problem that you cannot solve with five weeks left because no magical good pass catcher is just going to appear on your roster. So for me, it's absolutely the Chiefs. It's still amazing that since Patrick Mahomes became the starter in 2018, the Chiefs have not played a postseason game on the road, other than yeah. obviously the Super Bowl, which is always neutral site. But when you consider the rest of the AFC, I'm actually less troubled by what happened to the Chiefs than I am by the Eagles because okay. the Eagles saw how the road's going to end for them. Their only hope is enough 49ers key players get injured. They're not winning a rematch. if the, if the they're, they're not. They're not. I'll go ahead. I'll, and you can call me out later. 
If the Eagles, yeah, pull I'm going to read the 49ers these words back fully to you, just healthy. like you just read Colin Cowherd. And if we get into January, Trent Williams. Know, let me finish. So if you're going to read it back to me, let me give you the full statement. If Trent okay. Williams, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, and Dre Greenlaw are healthy when it's time mm-hmm. for a rematch, same thing's going to happen that we saw. They can't stop them. It was men against boys on Sunday. That is the thing that should resonate with the Eagles. And it's funny because people, oh, oh, well, the, there's a difference between the regular season and the postseason. Yeah, there is. But if you got all your same guys, and it's not a close game, it's not a D'Amico Ryan's Texans game that comes down to the final 30 seconds and we found a way to win, you got your ass kicked. The 49ers are the best team in football right now. So my point is the Chiefs don't have a 49ers equivalent in the AFC that they have to worry about. They just have to worry about themselves. Yeah. The Eagles now have to worry about the 49ers. And their hope is, and it's not all that outlandish to think that the 49ers are going to get some guys banged up because they play that way. It very well could happen that they have a rematch and the Eagles win because the 49ers are down some of their key players. Hell, look at what happened last year. 49ers would have beaten them, I believe, if they don't lose Brock Purdy early in the game to that elbow injury. So uh, they, that's why they play the games. And it doesn't matter. There's no asterisk applied to how you win. You win or you lose. They could still do it. But I'm more concerned about them because full strength, both teams, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-contest. 49ers, clearly the better team right now when healthy. All right. Yeah, yeah well, the 49ers. Advantage. I want to give you a chance to talk before I take a break. Okay, well, the 49ers are the best team in football when healthy. They beat anybody. They beat anybody handily. That's the yes. key. And in an age where everybody's kind of packed together and these teams that we had written off are kind of rising back up because all you have to do is win a couple of games in a row and all of a sudden you're back in it, the 49ers, like I'm going to debut the new power rankings after the show. Last week, Eagles were one and 49ers were two. This week, 49ers one and Eagles two. But there's a gap. There's nobody better than the Eagles. And the gap between the Eagles and the 49ers is 42 to 19. The 49ers are the best by far right now in the NFL, and everybody else is just hanging around waiting to see if something cracks, pops, fractures, whatever, on enough of their key players that they're that team that lost three games in a row, Browns, Vikings, Bengals, back in October. All right, let's take a break. We're going to look at the updated MVP odds after Week 13. And speaking of the 49ers, there's a new favorite who wears that gold helmet. More PFT Live right after this. They were back. Here comes the rush. He sidesteps. Can he throw? He can't. The ball flips forward. Is loose. A wild scramble. Two seconds on the clock. Casper grabbing the ball. It is rolled a fumble. Casper has recovered in the end zone. The Oakland Raiders have scored on the most zany, unbelievable, absolutely impossible dream of a play. Madden is on the field. He wants to know if it's real. They said yes. Get your big butt out of here. He <laughs> there it is. The Holy Roller play, September 10, 1978, Chargers Raiders. The play that resulted in the rule that now applies in the final two minutes of the game, first half or second half, or I assume all of overtime, the fumble and on fourth down, fumble by the offense. If it's recovered by a member of the offense farther down the field, it goes back to the spot of the fumble because the Raiders kind of accidentally fumbled, bumbled, and stumbled the ball forward into the end zone, recovered it there, and got 
the touchdown. Never forget that. And that was Bill King saying that the officials told John Madden what the officials in Philadelphia should have told Dom DeSandro on Sunday, get your big butt out of here. Of course, they did. They did tell him to get his big butt out of there. He got ejected. Madden didn't. Yeah, well, you can't, can't you get ejected when the game is over. I mean, no. does it matter? <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, good work getting that ready and getting that posted. Bill King with the get your big butt out of here call. And uh, now, Brock Purdy, get your young butt in here as the MVP favorite through 13 weeks, supplanting Jalen Hurts. And we know how this goes. One seed, there's going to be whoever it is, best player on the one seed in the AFC and best player on the one seed in the NFC becomes the de facto favorites to win MVP, unless there's someone else that has done something spectacular enough to disrupt that presumption. This is why Purdy is the current favorite. If the 49ers are the one seed in the NFC, Purdy is the guy most likely to be the MVP off the 49ers. I'm not ready to sign on to that, though. Christian McCaffrey is every bit as valuable as Brock Purdy. How many times do we see Purdy slinging at 40 yards down the field? I know he does. I know he does. And when I say system quarterback, that's not a diss. He runs Kyle Shanahan's system as well as anyone. He's the perfect quarterback for that system. But without Christian McCaffrey, that team is very different. And, yes, without Brock Purdy, it's very different, too. I'm just surprised at the gap. And I think what ultimately happens, Miles, they split votes. And it creates an opening for somebody else. Creates an opening for whoever the quarterback is or Tyreek Hill if the Dolphins get the one seed in the AFC. Makes it easier for him, although he's going to be splitting votes with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But you got two teams, one in each conference, where you really have to wonder about the impact of split votes between quarterback and non-quarterback. Well, say the Cowboys beat the Eagles this week. The Eagles then lose another game. The Cowboys continue winning, and the Cowboys end up with the two seed. In that scenario, I think it would be pretty clear that Dak Prescott should maybe be the MVP of the league, right? And you look at what Dak Prescott has done over the course of the last month since they were out here playing at SoFi Stadium right before their bye week. I mean, Dak Prescott's played at a really elite level. So I think what Dak Prescott does this week and then down the stretch is going to have a lot to say about the way this MVP vote ends up. But, I mean, right now, I can really see Dak Prescott winning MVP if he continues playing at the level that he has because I don't know that there's been a quarterback playing much better. Now, and when you say Brock Purdy system guy, like Kyle Shanahan's system does make it easy for quarterbacks, but the only player I feel like we've ever seen execute that at this level is Matt Ryan in 2016 with the Atlanta Falcons. Other than that, I mean, like you can go to different guys and different quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo never played at this level, played well, never at this level. It's not like Trey Lance was doing things like this. Any of the other quarterbacks that they've had with San Francisco uh, since Kyle Shanahan's been there and Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. So there is a lot to what Brock Purdy has done. And I I don't want to dismiss anything that he has done, but I think uh, the 49ers would still be pretty darn good maybe not as great as they are, but they'd still be pretty good if they had Sam Darnold as quarterback. They'd just be turning the ball over more. Plus 1,300 is what Purdy's odds were before the win over the Eagles. Now he's the favorite at plus 300. And Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, both at plus 350, not far behind Brock Purdy. A lot of it depends upon how 
the race to the one seed ends. And it's such a strange thing to bet on because it's not the result of any actual competition. It's a result of what 50 people think. And the five spots are available now to the voters. You rank them one through five. And Peter King and I were talking about this the other day. I think it goes 10 points for the first place vote, five for second, and then three, two, one for three, four, and five, respectively. I've got one of the votes, and my official position is I'm not making any decisions until after the final game is played. I'll talk about where things may be heading based upon where things currently are, but the hay has to be completely in the barn before you yeah. can even begin to make a reasonable argument as to who your vote should go to. But real-world issues, split votes between mm-hmm. Purdy and McCaffrey, split votes between Tua and Tyreek. And right now, right now, I think Tyreek Hill is more valuable than Tua to the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are worse off without Tyreek than they'd be without Tua. But again, we'll see how the season ends. These things tend to resolve themselves when you get to the end. It's fun to talk about it. People like to bet on it. They like to get good odds at the right time. Like Lamar Jackson, if we can put that back up, Lamar Jackson seems a little low to me. He should have... Mm -hmm. He should have better odds right now than Patrick Mahomes because the, the Ravens, if the Ravens are the one seed, he's a far stronger candidate to be MVP than Patrick Mahomes because that yes. one seed, when you attach that one seed officially to a team, it just it, it supercharges the MVP case of the best player on that team. And you don't appreciate it. You don't understand. You don't experience it until we say the Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC. Officially, it's over. It's done. But I think in some ways, Mike, that defense is carrying the offense a little bit. I mean, the last game we saw the Ravens play against the Chargers out here in Los Angeles, it, that offense was really not that impressive. It was really the defense that contained Justin Herbert and that Chargers a team until basically the end of the game where the Ravens scored when they probably should not have, and then they ended up winning by a larger margin. So that's where I think the Lamar Jackson case is not necessarily as strong because that defense has been tremendous for the Baltimore Ravens over the course of the year. The offense, it's getting there, but again, we're in December now, and it's not necessarily been as consistent. And, you know, the other realities too, and we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but the attitudes of the individual voters. Brock Purdy, have Mm -hmm. you played long enough to be the MVP? C.J. Stroud, now you'll be rookie of the year. You'll wait your turn to be serious MVP consideration. It's Dak Prescott's turn to be the MVP. We all like Dak. We all see Cowboys games every week. You know, a lot of these folks who have votes just cover one team, but they see a lot of Cowboys games because Cowboys are in prime time and big spots a lot. It creates a familiarity that affects you even if you don't realize it. So Prescott has that advantage built in. He's playing for a very high-profile team that is always on TV. It's going to – if he has the numbers and if his team is well – is doing well – it's going gonna, it's gonna to boost his candidacy. We have to factor that into how these votes play out. So we'll see how it goes. Five more weeks of football before we get to the point where we have to cast our ballots, and then we'll find out eventually, the night before the Super Bowl, when we no longer care, we'll find out who won MVP. All right, more PFT after the break. I'll be right back. Oh, oh, wait, wait. You know, I do this every time. The promo says don't forget, so it's fitting that I forget to read the promo. Don't forget. That on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 in pocket, $150 in bonus bets instantly, plus all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. 
DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. The mistake was mine. More PFT Live for you after the break. Well, let's be clear. Um, if he was reluctant to play, guys, he wouldn't be here. All right. Uh, I actually, coincidentally, just got done speaking with him. Uh, he came in about a half hour ago, and we had a really good conversation. The young man wants the ball. He wants to start. He believes he's the best uh, quarterback in the room and best quarterback for this team and the best and the guy who gives us the best chance to win. Um, and I'll tell you guys the same thing I told him. I appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that he wants to play. I'm just not there yet. That's Robert Sala, coach of the Jets from Monday afternoon. He had not yet decided who the quarterback is going to be. He has no good options because Aaron Rodgers continues to be unavailable. Tim Boyle was not good on Sunday against the Falcons. Trevor Simeon was no better. Zach Wilson is still lurking. And what Sala was referring to, he was questioned about this extensively. There was a report from The Athletic yesterday with a couple of different reporters' names on it that the Jets would like to go back to Zach Wilson, but Wilson is reluctant to play. And that just cried out for more context, more explanation. Sala tried to provide it. And I think after listening to Sala, I think the explanation goes like this. Zach Wilson was bellyaching to teammates about his current status. He's forgotten. He's buried on the depth chart behind a couple of guys who aren't all that good. And all it takes is one teammate to say, hey, you know what? Before you know it, they're going to they're gonna call your number again, and you're going to go back in. And he may have said something like, well, screw that. Why am I going to go play? Well, they don't want me. They don't want me here next year. I'm out of here. I'm not going out and getting injured in one of these final games. Because Sala specifically mentioned the dynamic of somebody not playing in a bowl game in college. Mm-hmm. He specifically mentioned that in trying to explain this. So, okay. Somebody hears that Zach Wilson said that it makes its way to an agent who tells a reporter and they do a little more work on that end of it. And the next thing you know, it's this big news that Zach Wilson's reluctant to play. I just felt like it cried out for more, more context, more information, more explanation, because it's one of those things that you see and say that doesn't make any sense. He can't just say I'm not playing. No, thank you. He's got guaranteed money this year, and he's got a guaranteed contract next year. And when football players start saying, no, I'm not going to play football, it unlocks a whole new can of worms. I'm mixing my metaphors, but they didn't get my point. It was just weird to have that dropped out there yesterday, but it fueled 90% of the questioning at Robert Sala's press conference. And the end result is, if Wilson is told he's going to play, he wants to play. He's worked through whatever he might have just been riffing, just like you venting, like I'm pissed. They want me to play. I screw them. Well, when it's time to play, he's going to go play. Well, and then more of that reporting was interesting, too, because it, it, the reporting was that Aaron Rodgers had talked to Zach Wilson, but he was still reluctant to play and all this stuff. And so when Robert Sala says, coincidentally, Zach Wilson was just in my office, I don't really think that that was much of a coincidence at all. If the reporting kind of dropped, I don't know, uh, 90 minutes to two hours before Sala's scheduled press conference, and then he ends up talking to Zach Wilson for a while, that doesn't really seem very coincidental to me, but it seemed like that was certainly a discussion that needed to be had between the quarterback and the head coach. I mean, there's a part of me that does understand the point that, if Zach Wilson really was saying that he's reluctant to play, which again, I don't know, but like, I don't know exactly what the dynamic was of those comments that he uh, reportedly made, but 
yeah, the, the whole thing about, you know, if he gets injured, then what happens, right? And it's been just a yo-yo and a complete mess with Zach Wilson and the Jets. And again, it's not like he was playing well. It's not like there's any real better option right now. You're in December. Things keep, the losses keep stacking up. The Jets just have to play out the strings somehow so they can get to the offseason, so they can get to the positive vibes again of Aaron Rodgers returning for 2024. It's just, man, it, it just, I can't imagine that it feels real good right now to walk into that building and go to work every day just based on what the situation is. It's just a really, really crappy situation, Mike. And see, the problem is they are mishandling the final stages of 2023 so badly that it's going to affect the vibe into 2024. There's a point yeah. where you have to just understand, we got to fold our tents this year and think about next year. And the sooner Aaron Rodgers says, I will be back next year. Don't wait until a Tuesday in March when you're on with McAfee and you get 500,000 viewers simultaneously for Aaron Rodgers to make his latest announcement. Don't wait until then. Make it clear now so then Woody Johnson, the owner of the team, can follow that by saying, Everyone else is coming back. We're going to do next year what we were going to do this year before Aaron Rodgers suffered the torn Achilles. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to make major changes because that's going to make it harder to do what we're trying to do. But they're just going through this weird final stretch where it's a big mess. It's ugly. And to your point on the Zach Wilson, Robert Sala conversation, he was pressed on that because the reporters understand why would he just have been in your office 30 minutes ago? I think what happened was the report comes out and Zach Wilson got called to the principal's office. And look, the end result is this. If we tell you to play, you're playing. I mean, you're here. Do you want to be on the team? If you don't want to be on the team, we right. can do something about that. Is that what you're saying? Because that's the first thing Sala said. I guarantee you, if he didn't want to play, he wouldn't be on this team. Right. And so a lot of times we get frustrated in our jobs and we say things to coworkers that we don't really mean that if the boss was there we wouldn't say it it's just a way to process how we feel we're upset so it makes us feel a little better miles can relate i'm sure there's a text thread out there that doesn't include me where they say all sorts no. of things about me and that's fine if that allows no. you to show up and do your job whatever it takes is fine i don't care but the point <laughs> is when that stuff trickles to reporters I just would like a little more context, a little more common sense, and not just go grab the engagement and the likes and the retweets and everything that goes along. It's very tempting. It's very tempting to throw that matzo ball out there. It's very tempting. And that's what happened. It got thrown out there. And, and the end result is he's not going to refuse to play. And he's not reluctant to play. He's just venting with teammates because he feels like he's getting jerked around. And to make everything worse, he's stuck behind a couple of guys who – to use the the misguided references to Jordan Love from months past, can't play. Tim Boyle can't play. Trevor Simeon at this stage of his career can't play. And Zach Wilson is stuck behind both of them. Yeah, you're going to come to me now? Screw you. That's what I think was going on. But at the end of the day, they want him to play. He's going to play, Miles. He's not going to say no. Well, no, I don't think he would say no. You know, I thought that you were just going to go with uh, Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon being caca because that was kind of your thing, at least the last time I was on the show. And look, that's pretty much what they've played. Like. I'm out I of mean, my caca phase. Are you trying to get oh, me back are? into my caca phase? Yeah, I don't of, know. You know it, it gets old and you move on to something else. 
It's true. But I mean, look, that that's kind of what it is right now. And, you know, I think more than one thing can be true at once, right? Zach Wilson was not playing well. The offensive line of the Jets, total mess right now. You know, also Nathaniel Hackett, I don't think he's doing all that great of a job as an offensive coordinator either. And so all of these things add up to this looks like crap right now. And this cannot Caca. feel good. Yes, exactly. Well, you said you were out of that phase. So that's why I used a different word. Oh, so I, I just, Synonym. yeah, I, I don't know that there, like, you said that Aaron Rodgers needs to say that he's going to be back. Is there really much question that he's going to be back? Has he said that he needs oh, to make a decision until, on that? I mean. Un, I, until the delicate genius announces from on high that he's coming back, they, you never know. You know, he's so used to dangling that for leverage and just attention. I'm sorry. You know, look, I'm sorry. I, we, this, oh boy, it's, the, the guy, and that's fine. That's fine. If he wants attention, that's fine. It works. He gets a ton of attention. Most guys who get injured week one just disappear and you never hear anything from them again. He's found a way to stay in the spotlight. He's found a way to string this along with maybe I'm going to come back. Maybe I'm going to come back. Maybe I'm going to come back. Nobody knows. Anyway, we got to take a break. Tell me to shut up. Not, not Thanks, because Gordon. of Aaron Rodgers, because of the clock. More PFT Live right after this. The Tennessee Titans had a rough day on special teams. A block punt and then another punt that wasn't even blocked because the guy snuck in and got to the punter before he could even accomplish the drop and the kick. They had a missed extra point, and the end result... Craig Ackerman, special teams coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. And I said this yesterday, that's the kind of day that gets the special teams coordinator fired. He did get fired. He's gone. And it's unfortunate that it happens, but it happens. And you're ultimately accountable for making sure you do your job. And special teams is a big part of the game. And when you have those kind of lapses, when it looks that bad, there's got to be accountability, Miles. Well, you can almost excuse the missed extra point because the punter got injured, but the punter got injured because of the two blocked punts, right? So if those kinds of things happen and you get one block punt in the game, sometimes that happens. If you get a second one, you mean you didn't fix your punter protection issues after the first one? That's really, really unacceptable. And I'm sure that there have been other special teams miscues over the course of the year. And Mike Brabel said, hey, time's up. And ultimately, look, it goes back to Vrabel, the head coach of the team. I don't think the Titans are going to move on from him. I wouldn't. He's the coach of the year just a couple of years ago. But, but, but I just wonder at some point whether he just throws his hands in the air and said, I've had enough of this. I wonder if they're going to activate a bat signal in New England and try to try to bring him home. He's never coached with the Patriots, but he played for the Patriots and he just entered their Hall of Fame in October. And I wonder that was, is that just part of this long term? play to make him the successor to Bill Belichick we'll see but it's just one of those questions that's hovering out there when the season ends will the Patriots call the Titans and offer a solution to just the funk that they've slipped into the past couple of years all right let's go ahead and take a break we will wrap up this Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live right after this Cleveland Browns take on the Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend. Kevin Stefanski, coach of the team, has not named his Week 14 starter. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who replaced Deshaun Watson, and kind of leapfrog P.J. Walker. He's still in the concussion protocol. Joe Flacco looked pretty good on Sunday. Yeah, you mentioned earlier the interception he threw, but I think a lot of people were surprised that Flacco still got it. Like, with all these quarterback injuries, why did it take so freaking long for somebody to bring Flacco in? Could be Flacco against the Jaguars 
on Sunday, Miles. And look, it's just been a bad couple of weeks for the Browns to go from seven and three to seven and five. You know, there there was possibility the one seed. They got to get it back on track, or they're going to slip out of the playoffs altogether. So this decision is going to be critical. It is, but look, you're on your fourth quarterback. I do think it should be Joe Flacco, not just this weekend, but probably the rest of the way based on the professionalism he showed at quarterback. And I don't necessarily mean that as a dig to Dorian Thompson Robinson. Look, that guy is making some of his first starts in the league. He's a fifth round pick. Joe Flacco is a former Super Bowl MVP. So there's just a level of experience that he brings to the table that you're not just going to have. And I kind of agree with you. Why was he still out there? I'm kind of happy as a Clevelander that he was. So we'll see if he ends up being the starter. But I I do expect that he will be, Mike. The thing I respect most about Joe Flacco is his love of the game transcends his own ego because he's the Mm -hmm. first franchise quarterback who was highest paid player in the league a couple of times who is still willing to take whatever scraps he can get. None of these other guys would ever do it. It's beneath them to come back and be backup, third string fourth option he still wants to play football and he's still got good football in him and good for the Browns to be the ones to realize you know Jets fans got a lot of stuff to be pissed about if I'm a Jets fan one thing I'd be pissed about is hey Jets why didn't we get Joe Flacco he played for us last year for crying out loud how different the Jets season might have been if they hadn't gotten Joe Flacco so good for the Browns we'll see if they can turn it around it starts this weekend in Jacksonville, they need this win to get to eight and five miles. No, no, no. They will be in Cleveland. They'll be by the lake, as Kevin Stefanski oh, in likes Cleveland. to say. Sorry. And the, yes. Sorry. And the Browns have played Sorry. very, very well at home under Kevin Stefanski. So we'll see who plays quarterback for Jacksonville, but I expect it'll be Joe Flacco for Cleveland, and that defense might be better. So they'll have carts in Cleveland. Carts have not yet been outlawed in Ohio. We learned last night. Carts are too woke for Florida. All right. Trying to make Miles laugh before we end the show. I failed! The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.